Thank you for joining us today for the Restoration Church Podcast. Today is the 10th in our series in James, and it is called Waiting Causes Tension That Helps Us Pay Attention. We hope you enjoy. Um, launch is coming September 11th. We've been waiting for a long time. We've been working really hard as a team to get this going. You all have been a part of that. From setting up chairs, to welcoming people at the door, to being open to having missional communities or small groups in your home, helping us form our vision so that we can launch in this city and make an impact uh, for the glory of God. This has all been what we're waiting for. And in a lot of ways, waiting stinks, right? It's like, it's like, oh man, it's been so exhausting. It's so tiring. But it's good. Waiting is good, right? And waiting is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. That waiting is not necessarily a negative thing. We've been waiting to launch this church. You've waited your whole life for things. But waiting builds this attention that's good. When we, when we wait on things, attention is built that helps us pay attention. Waiting builds tension that helps us pay attention. That's kind of the thing you should leave with today. Um, what, what, are we, what are we waiting on? You know, when you were a little kid, maybe this, this is illustrated best by Christmas Eve, right? You're at home, you're, maybe you're upstairs in your bedroom, and your parents put you to bed, and you have to go to sleep before who comes? Santa Claus, right? You've got to go to sleep before Santa Claus comes. But if you're, uh, if you're a kid like me and you have ADD, you can't go to sleep and you're just waiting to catch Santa Claus. Like you just want to like give him a hug or something. So you sit in your bed all night long and there's this tension, this waiting for Christmas morning or that you're going to sneak attack Santa Claus and put the, like the black mask over his head and grab him, put him in the closet and be like, I caught Santa Claus. Christmas is over for everyone else. But um, th- there's tension. So you hear every creak in your house, right? The house just naturally settles, and you're like, somebody's downstairs. i gotta, I got to go check it out, you know? The tension, it makes you pay attention. And then, then you, you grow up, and there's other things in our lives that we have tension for, right? Maybe, maybe we're waiting for that, that, that guy to ask us out on that first date, right? And so you're paying attention to every other girl that he's talking to on Facebook, and every status of his relationship changes. You're paying attention. Or, or guys, you're, you're just waiting for that girl to notice you exist, Right? And so she's checking you out on Facebook and you're waiting for her to know because she's Facebook stalking you. She never talks to you at school. So there's tension. But you, you both like each other and you're just waiting to ask each other out. And, and, but you're paying attention to every move she's making. Are you waiting to get your license? Y'all remember the, the, like, the I want the freedom of having a car, you know, 450 horses, you know, no curfew. That's called a pipe dream. That doesn't exist, right? But when you're a teenager, but you want that freedom, so you're waiting to get your license. So as you're driving down the road, you're like, hey, Dad, that is a stop sign. It's a red octagon. Every time you see one of those, you just come to a complete and total stop, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, you're like, no rolling stops. That's illegal. You have to stop perfectly. So you pay attention to all the signs. And, and oh, that is a that is a emerging traffic. You need to slow down, Dad. That's merging traffic. I would, if I was driving right now, I would slow down. You know, you pay attention. You see things around you. It, it helps because there's tension building. What are you waiting for in your life right now? What, what, what tension is building up in your life because you're sitting around waiting? Are you waiting for a wedding day? Are you, are you waiting for your business to take off and be successful? Are you waiting for maybe a relationship to be mended? A friendship that's got tension built in between it because things happened and so now you, you no longer are friends on Facebook so you never talk anymore. You know, but... Um, what are you waiting for? Maybe, maybe you've, you've prayed and you pray and you pray and you're waiting for God, waiting for Him to show up. You're, you're suffering with some type of an illness or sickness and, and you're, you're doing the doctor's route, you're being wise, you're doing what you can to take care of yourself, but you're waiting for God to heal you. 
And there's tension. And you're paying attention to every word you read in the Scripture and everything that a preacher says because you're waiting for God to show up. Waiting builds tension that helps us pay attention. And James is going to talk about what we're supposed to do in that period of waiting today. When, when, we're, when we have all that intensity built up in our lives and we're, when we're, we're so ready for something to happen, but it's not happening yet, what do we do in the meantime? How do we wait? Wait well. So if you'll join me in James chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 7 through 11 today. James chapter 5, 7 through 11, it says this, Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now who's waiting on that? Right? I mean, like, the long wait, right? So what do we do in that time? What do we do while we're waiting? Be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until he gets until it gets the early and the late rains. You too, be patient and establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So there are two commands right there in the, in the first two verses in 7 and 8. Be patient and establish your heart. What does be patient mean? It doesn't just mean to wait and, and, and not complain necessarily, but it means to wait with an inner peace. So it's, it's not just sit, sit around and wait for something to happen. It's to wait with peace. To let that tension be in your life, but it's a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved, right? It's, it's, it's allowed to be there. It's good. There's purpose behind tension. And so we wait with peace. It's an inner peace. It's a, a tranquility in the time of difficulty and suffering. It literally means it's, it makes you hard to become angry or to have a long, long fuse, not to be easily irritated in waiting. So to be patient means to wait with an inner peace. And so James uses the farmer as an illustration, right? Has anybody ever done agriculture? Anybody ever done farming? No? All right. Well, there you go. Me and you. Woohoo! We'll go plow a field later. Um, farming's hard, hard work, right? When my, my next door neighbor had this huge field, and when I was a teenager, my dad and my mom thought we'd plant a garden, and we'd all share what comes out of it. And so we, you know, we both got a tomato and one squash one year because that's all that came out of it. Because farming's hard work, right? You, you have to... You, you, first of all, you've got to prepare all the machinery. You've got to get your tractors ready. You've got to get all your equipment ready. And that, that takes effort and labor. And then you've got to plant in the fall and wait for the, the spring rains and the summer rains. And if the summer doesn't scorch the ground and dry out all of your, all your, your food that you're trying to grit. And, and then forget the sun. If you live in North Carolina, there are deer everywhere. right? So as soon as something comes out of the ground, it gets snipped off. And so it doesn't matter how hard you work. But, but to, to farm, you've got to wait with patience. And you've got to, ultimately, you put it in the ground and you let God do the rest, right? I mean, because we can't make things grow. We can fertilize, we can pull weeds, we can, you know, genetically engineer seeds. But at the end of the day, God has got to send the rain, right? We can irrigate all we want to, but God's got to send the rain. He's got to provide the sun. If, it, if it's just constant overcast and there's never any sun getting to your plants, they're not going to grow. If there's a freeze in the middle of the summer, right, and there's April and the temperature drops because of a cold front, kills everything. It's up to God. So the farmer has to have this inner peace and this trust in God in the midst of waiting that, one, the early rains are going to come. And there's going to be a time and period where you think it's, everything's going to dry out and there's going to be drought and there's going to be suffering and you're going to go out in the heat and you're going to pull the weeds you're going to have to tend the ground. You have to add the fertilizer. There's this whole this period, but there's the hope of the late rains that are coming. There's something that God is going to do in the future that we can hope for. So, so he says, James says, you, like the farmer, need to be patient. You need to have an inner peace in the midst of your suffering. In the midst of your waiting, be at peace. 
Have a long fuse. Be slow to anger. Be at peace. God is moving. Trust Him. And then there's the second command, which is establish your hearts. What does that mean? Great question. Thank you for asking. Establish your heart. It means to, um, to adopt, adapt your will to endure your suffering. Right? So the, it's not adapt your feelings. We think hearts as feelings. Remember in the, in, the, in the Scripture, your gut was your feeling. You felt things in your stomach, in your gut. Your heart was your will. It was your mind. Right? It's the will of a person was your heart. So establish your heart. Strengthen your heart is another way, another translation says it. It's to adapt your will to endure suffering. Make a decision that you are going to be patient in the midst of your suffering. Make the decision you're going to be patient. You're going to rely on that inner peace and you're going to trust God in the midst of what you're going through and whatever you're waiting on. The Septuagint uses the same word to describe in Exodus 17, 8 through 13. Moses was, um, and the Israelites are out in the desert, and the Amalekites were about to fight them, right? And Moses went up on this mountain and he raised his arms up. And whenever he had his arms raised and the staff of God raised, the, the Israelites were victorious. But if he put his arms down, the Malachites began to become victorious. So he put his arms up, and they'd be like, we're winning! Yay! Hey guys, we're winning! Oh, we're losing again. Hold on. And he put his arms up, right? So he's like, maybe I should keep my arms up. It'd be wise, right? So can anybody want to put your hands up like this for the rest of the service? No, it's exhausting, right? That's what your football coach does to you to punish you. It's like, do this for, for three hours, you know? It, everything gets heavy. So... What happened is her and, um, what was that other guy? Aaron. <laughs> Brother. Um, Aaron and her got beside him and held his arms up. Right? So when he was tiring, when he was getting exhausted, others came around him and lifted him up and held his arms up so that the Israelites overcame the Amalekites. And so the strength in your heart literally means to get a foundation and hold yourself up in suffering. Make it your will. Find others that help strengthen you, but you decide your heart is going to endure your suffering with peace. Right? So be patient and establish your heart. Stick to the faith. It's the opposite of what James would describe as being double-minded. It would be the opposite of saying, okay, God, you haven't moved, so now I'm going to take care of it. Right? Because we learned that the wisdom of the world doesn't lead us anywhere, but the wisdom of God is what we're supposed to depend on in James. So it's the, the double-mindedness is I'm going to have one foot in the world, I'm going to have one foot in trusting God, and I'm going to ride that fence the, as long as I possibly can. So I'm going to wait with God, but I don't really wait with peace and patience. I, I wait with, with attention. Yeah, God, you can move if you want to, but I'm going to take care of it. And that's that double-minded, wishy-washy thing. So it's the opposite of that. To establish your heart is to trust in the Word of God, to, to follow the wisdom of God. To firmly root yourself in the wisdom of God. Decide you're going to trust Him despite what you're going through. So we're to be at peace and we're to endure in faith. But that's easier than said than done, right? I mean, if you're suffering right now, you're like, yeah, whatever. Scripture, yeah, okay. Endure, be patient, establish your heart. I get it. But you don't understand what I'm going through. That's easier said than it's done. So our natural tendency, instead of enduring, instead of being patient and, and establishing our heart, is to do what? What's our natural tendency to do when we're suffering? Complain. Right? I mean, we want to find somebody to blame. We want to find somebody to complain about. We want to start judging everybody else for not caring for us. We want to start judging God for not solving our problems. We want to complain. That's our natural tendency, right? <laughs> James knew that, so he wrote about it in verse 9. Do not complain... Brothers, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. 
Do not complain against one another, brothers, because you might be judged yourself. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. James is speaking particularly to the people in 1 through 6, right? Those people who were being treated unjustly. They were suffering because of injustice, because of sin against them. And he's saying to them, Hey guys, listen. The coming of the Lord is near. Pay attention to this. He's coming, and He is the judge that's going to take care of that injustice. Your tendency is not going to be to trust Him and establish your hearts and wait with peace. Your tendency is going to be to complain and to judge them. That's going to be your tendency. He also reminds them that their suffering is not to lead them to sin to one another because justice is coming. Right? The judge is standing at the door. Not only is the Lord coming, but the Lord is coming to judge the injustice. He's coming to solve the suffering. So if you, if you start participating in sinning against other people in the midst of your suffering, you might yourself incur a judgment. So instead, be patient and establish your heart. Establish your will. So instead of sinning, be patient. To lead us to this godly response of in suffering, instead of judgment and sinning against people, James helps us see that there's something crucial to suffering. There's, there's crucial to this waiting period. And it's called perspective. Right? Waiting gets easier when we have a proper perspective. Right? So, on Facebook, one of my chiefs at EMS put up this video meme, and it's, it tells the story of a doctor who... Uh, this, a father and his son were in an accident. The son has to go into this trauma surgery. He's on the edge of death. The doctor shows up. The trauma surgeon shows up, but he shows up like 30 minutes late. Like the, everything is prepped. The kid's sitting on the table waiting for the surgeon to get there. And he shows up 30 minutes late, and, the, and the, the father is livid, right? I mean, this is a trauma hospital. You should have docs here. What's the deal? Why are you not here? My son is dying. What are you doing? Like playing golf? Let's go. Get to it. Get in there and save my son. And he's, he's very angry. He's upset. And the doctor says, I'll take care of your kid. I'm sorry I was late. And he goes in and he performs this surgery. And it's like three-hour surgery. And, um, and he comes back out and he walks up to the father and says, your son is going to be okay. I've got to go. And that's it. So he walks around and he shakes his hand. He left and leaves. And the guy, is, it's, it's like, yeah, this, this doc is so rude. First he shows up late. Then he doesn't give me any information. He's short with me. What's the problem here? And he, and he goes to, to write a formal complaint. So he goes up to the desk and he's like, I need to write a complaint against this doc. And the nurse says, hey, hold on, wait. Before you do that, let me give you some perspective. He just came from his son's funeral. His son died a week ago and they were burying his son. And when we called him, he was grieving with his family at the funeral. And he left that funeral to come save your son's life. And now he's going back to finish burying his son. Do you want to lodge this complaint? And the perspective opened his eyes to say, wow, I'm judging someone because I walked into this one page of this one chapter of their big story, right? And I've decided who they are and what they're doing. And maybe, even in our own lives, we decide to judge God because we have this one page and this one chapter of His story. And we start to say, God, you're not good because I'm suffering and you're not healing me. You're not, you're not good, God. And, and the perspective helps us see that James described it earlier in chapter 4, right? Your life is a vapor. We are here today and gone tomorrow. Like, our time on this earth, in the midst of eternity, and who God is, it's like, it's gone. So who are we to come in in this vapor and decide that God is not good? Decide that God is not compassionate? Decide that God does not care about us? To begin to judge others around us in their one little story, that we, in their one little chapter of their story we see. Don't, don't judge, brothers. 
Because you might incur judgment because the judge is coming. The coming of the Lord is near. Perspective. Right? And, and James, from, from the time that Christ was crucified, the church was saying, He's coming back. For like the next day, right? He ascended into heaven. He spent, he spent time with the, the disciples. He ascended into heaven. And He said, I'm coming back to get you. And what was the message of the early church? The Lord is coming. He's near. He's coming. The judge is coming. And it's been 2,000 plus years and we're still waiting on Him to come, but He's coming. And remember, that 2,000 years is a vapor in the midst of eternity. Perspective. Paul got this. The reason Paul could be imprisoned and beat to death and stoned and shipwrecked and then put in jail again, all because he's sharing the gospel, the reason he can endure all that suffering is because he got perspective. He understood that he can endure all things through Christ who strengthens him, right? He can, he can take on anything. In Philippians 4.13, he says that not as a catchphrase for Christians. He says that in the midst of being jailed and imprisoned after being beaten to death. He can endure all those things. He can, he can overcome all these things in Christ who strengthens him because he had this bigger perspective of who God was. And then in Romans 8, he says... Uh, Romans 8.18, he says, I'm convinced that our present sufferings are not worthy to compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. Right? Our, our, our suffering today, what we're wading through, what we're judging God on and we're judging those people around us, that's not to be compared to the glory that we will be revealed, the eternal glory that will be revealed in us. Perspective. Bigger picture. The imminent return of Christ motivates us to stand strong. It's in the midst of suffering, in the midst of waiting, when all that tension is building in your life, the imminent return of Christ is what should motivate you to be patient and establish your heart. Because He could come at any moment. Do you, want to, does he, do you want to be found complaining and judging and sinning against others? Or do you want to be found being patient? He could come at any moment. Our time on earth is short. Establish your heart. And He gives us an example of this. Verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider these blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. So, once again, he's saying, hey, don't just think about your, little, your time period on this earth and your suffering. Think about the big picture of who God is. Think about the prophets. Think about how they waited and waited and waited for God to vindicate them and what they, God would told them to say. And sometimes He did. Sometimes He moved and they were vindicated. And sometimes Messiah, Messiah is coming. And when Messiah comes, when Messiah comes, and they waited and they waited. And then God shut them up for 400 years. There was silence, right? Nobody was saying anything. And then Messiah, Jesus, comes on board, right? In, in the New Testament, Messiah comes and His name is Jesus. And so he's saying, listen, if you want to consider suffering, if you want to understand what it means to be patient and establish your heart, look at all those who have gone before you. Gain a bigger perspective of time. And then see that God is not judged by your suffering. God is judged by who He is in history. Right? Who He is in history. The how... How do we, how do we wait? The how is be patient and strengthen your heart. The what is endure your suffering. What's the why? What is the tension really pushing us to understand? This, the tension of our suffering and our waiting. What are we really supposed to be paying attention to? The answer is in the last part of verse 11. The last part of verse 11. See how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. 
This build, this, the tension that is building in your life because of your suffering is not supposed to lead you to complain against others, judge others, complain against God or judge God. It's to help you. It's a gift to help you see how compassionate and merciful our God really is. Consider all the things the prophets went through. Look at Job. Look at what he endured. And what did God turn out to be? Compassionate and merciful. Look, look at the history of the suffering of the world. And then how did God answer the suffering of the world? He showed Himself to be compassionate and merciful. So what, is the, what are you supposed to be paying attention to? The Gospel. Because God, how did God display His ultimate compassion and mercy? He sent Messiah. He sent Jesus. And He endured the cross to beat all suffering for eternity. To beat all pain. To beat all sin. He took it all... And then He's going to make us new in, the new in the new heaven and new earth, right? The Lord is coming. The coming of the Lord coming back, that's to establish the new kingdom, right? So what are we waiting on? What's that, what, are, what are we waiting on? We're waiting on the new kingdom. And when that kingdom comes, there will be no more suffering. We will only know the compassionate, merciful, gracious, beautiful, holy, worthy God. And so in our tension, we should be paying attention to the gospel, the good news. Messiah has come. He has solved our suffering and He is coming once again to take us home. So don't judge God as evil. Don't judge God as bad. Don't judge God as uncaring or unloving. Look at Tom. Get a bigger perspective. Look at the prophets. Look at Job. And see that He is compassionate and merciful. In the tension of your life, focus on the Gospel. Remember the good news. Jesus has come. God has displayed His great love for you. Yes, you are suffering. And yes, it is hard. And it is building tension. And it's building tension to drive you to the foot of that cross. To realize that God has a great love for you. Let's pray. And then let's worship Him for it. Father, thank You so much for being a God of great compassion and great mercy. Thank You for being the God that, that gives us perspective. And help us not to write our opinion of You on our hearts by the little span of vapor life that we experience in our own personal suffering. But God, give us, help us have the wisdom to see Your Word reveal who You really are. That You're a God of great love and that You display that great love through Your Son Jesus on the cross. Thank You for that, Father. Thank You that in the midst of our suffering, we can be patient. We can wait with inner peace because we trust You. You have shown Yourself to be good and You will be good. We can trust You for those late rains like the farmer trust. After the long, scorching summer, all the suffering, there's late rains. There's mercy that's coming. And that mercy will come when you come back. Pay attention. Be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. He is merciful and compassionate. Amen. Thank you.